Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over £50 million worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Business Grow Secrets. You're with your host, Adam Stott. I'm really excited today. So I've got a fantastic guest with me who is going to no doubt add lots and lots of value. This lady is somebody that has been known as one of the most female, uh, successful female entrepreneurs to come out of the Dragon's Den. She has a company called The Tiny Box Company which supplies thousands of businesses all over the UK, from small businesses to large corporate companies, specializing in environmental products. Uh, For those of you that listen, if you are in the e-commerce business or you do products or services, no doubt you will be familiar with uh, Rachel and her business. If you're not, this is going to be a great introduction. She's got an amazing story, and I'm really looking forward to uncovering with you, Rachel, a bit about your journey. So welcome to Business Growth Secrets. Rachel, how are you, my dear? You good? Hello. Thank you very much for having me on here. Uh, I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. You're good. Great stuff. Okay. So the tiny box company, should we go all the way back and kind of remember when this was just an idea in your mind before Dragon's Den, before you started dealing with thousands of businesses? What was your process for this? I think a lot of the people um, listening are either already running a company, but there's a lot of people that are startups and have an idea but perhaps don't act on it. So I'd love to just hear right from the beginning of your journey, what it was like starting and growing the company from the idea phase, if that's okay with you. So it started because I'd set up an early fair trade jewellery business. And and the idea was that... um, the, the jewellery that's created in Africa and third world places for the UK market doesn't quite hit the spot. So it was putting UK designs on jewellery. And it was actually my sister that said, what packaging are you going to use? Because if, if you're putting ethics at the centre of the jewellery, your packaging needs to reflect that. So I was like, hmm, good point. Good, good tip there from your sister. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I approached so many UK manufacturers and said, I want something that is sustainable, something that is recycled and in small quantities, please. And they all just laughed at me. They were like, well, the minimum quantity is 1,000 per size of box, uh, lead time 12 to 14 weeks. And I was like, why is it so hard? There must be loads of other small jewelers like me that just want earring boxes and just want bangle boxes and want to start off small and then grow. So why can't you just buy them off online? Um, And it was, I was at the spring fair in Birmingham, which is like a huge retail trade fair. And I remember just sitting on the floor despairing and just going, do you know what? We'll do it ourselves. (laughs) And that was the start. That was the start. And again, yeah. it's that spotting the opportunity there, it sounds like. So did you when you were going through that, and this is one of the things that we teach our clients, you know, where the pain points are, you know, where there's a pain point, there's a market. 
Yeah. And essentially, you found a pain point, didn't you? Of hey, look, we can't get this product, we can't get this service. Now, when you started to go down the road of looking into that, and you wanted to do it yourself, was it difficult? Did you find was there some challenges? Or well, I was broke. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always a bit of a challenge. Um, I'd moved back to my parents due to ill health. Uh, so I was living in in their house and uh, trying to do everything from my, um, from my bedroom. Um, and I didn't really know where to start. I'd got a degree in business studies, but I worked in software, you, you know, up until like the age of 30. And I think coming from a really fast-paced environment of now, 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 was what blew my mind about the fact that I had to wait 12 to 14 weeks for a box. You know, um, it just it just didn't make sense. So the first thing I did was enroll with the British Library because I discovered that all of the marketing reports that I could possibly ever want were all there free. <laughs> um, wow. So all of the Mintel reports, Keynote, Geodata, you know, it's, it's all there. Um, it just means painstaking hours of of going through. And I did all my research there. Um, probably took me about three or four months to, to put a business plan together and conclude that there actually totally was a market and it wasn't my imagination. Um, and the rest is history. Well, that's uh, pretty cool. So you went to the British Library. I mean, how did you feel at the point where you're saying you had ill health, you haven't got much money, you're doing this research? I know the mindset of a lot of entrepreneurs starting out. You've got all these challenges in front of you. What made you keep going? What made you keep pursuing it? Was there any part of you was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right thing to do. Were there any self-belief issues for you? Or, or where were you at? What was, your mind, what was your mindset at that point? So from the year 2000 to 2004, uh, I had hit rock bottom. I'd, I'd got a mysterious illness as a result of an appendix operation that should have just been routine. I'd lost everything. I'd lost my house. I'd lost my car. My partner had walked out on me. Um, I, I had nowhere to go. <laughs> when, you, when you've hit rock bottom, you lose that fear because, yeah, well, where else can you go? Um, and, and it was just a hunch and a, a sort of drive inside of me. I don't know where it comes from, but just like this gut feel that I knew it was right. And it, and even though other people were telling me that it was a grave mistake, I really felt I had nothing to lose. That's brilliant. And, and most people take action based off of because they want to gain or because they're in so much pain, they just want to change their circumstances. So it sounds mm -hmm. like you had a, some real big drivers there to just change where you were at, you know, without a doubt. And that's, uh, that's awesome that you took that action. I think it's quite inspiring, you know, certainly for the people that are listening. Um, and a mentality, you've got nothing to lose. When you've got somewhere nothing to lose, it's quite dangerous, isn't it, right? So what happens next? You go out there, you get, um, you start making these connections. What's the journey of the business? Uh, what are the other sort of the next steps and the next stages? What happened next? Well, the parents were living in, um, it's, it's a building in East Grinstead, which is a, but it's for old people without any money. Um, it's an arms house and, and my dad's job was as a warden. So he looked after it. Um, and one of the trustees said to him, oh, your daughter can't run a business from there because it's a charity. And it was like, oh, <laughs> if I'm now going to go to the next level, I'm going to have to go and get my own premises. So that was really scary. I was like, I've got rent now. <laughs> um, still didn't have any product, but I would, you know, it was all in the pipeline. Um, and then I was out 
seeing a friend of mine and bumped into a guy called Robin Banks that was looking to buy a box of all things. Um, got chatting with him. He was a well-known broadcaster at the time. He'd had a bit of an alcohol and drug problem, gone into wow. rehab. And, and when I met him, he said, I just want to do something different. And I, and I talked to him about what I was doing. And he sort of said, can I come and work with you? Um, so then there was two of us. Uh, he quickly realized in like within a space of a few weeks that it wasn't for him, that he wanted to be back in broadcasting. He was used to being in the public eye. Um, so he, he applied to Dragon's Den and didn't tell me because he knew that, that I'm not a public eye person. Um, and he knew that I wouldn't go along with it, but he thought that if he got us on there, then I'd just have to. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that was in September 2007 and we still had no product. We weren't live. He then went off to Australia for about six weeks to find his girlfriend. Um, so I launched the website and the business, uh, November, 2007. And, and it was amazing. You know, I, I contacted so many people to say, my website's live. Um, please take a look. And I set myself a target. It was grueling, but I set myself a target of 120 contacts a day. I love that. I um, actually love it. Yeah. And, and I made myself do it. And I wouldn't let myself go home until I'd done it. And my website did £4,800 the first month. Wow. Uh, you know what? I absolutely love what you just said because I think this is probably – one of the big missing pieces for business owners. There's just no outreach. They expect things to come to them. They think, I built a website, now people are going to trip over it and buy stuff, you know, or I've created this product, I'm just going to post on social media and hope somebody sees it um, without actually doing the outreach. The fact you did the outreach is, I love it, yeah. And and that discipline as well, which is really important. You're saying you had the discipline. Um, I think these are all really good lessons for people, really, really good. On Thursdays, I run free clinics for people that are are struggling with their business or whatever. Um, and you're right. People set up a website and then they just expect the traffic to flood in. So I use the analogy of when you've created a new website, you have created it in the back end of Land's End on some hidden industrial estate that <laughs> no one knows is there. You have not created a website on Oxford Street. Yeah. So yeah. in order for you to get your website in Oxford Street position, you have got to like, just pummel away continuously with outbound stuff to bring people to you. Yeah. One of the things that we've been doing recently, one of our, we have a program called Social Media Monetization. And one of the biggest aspects of it is about understanding how to go out and chat and earn, and which is yeah. exactly that start conversations with people. So those people can actually understand that you exist, build a relationship with them. And of course, by building that relationship, you're going to bring people on. So that's awesome. So you, you do 5,000 in your first, you said your first month, I believe, which is great. Yeah. Um, so I imagine you're feeling pretty good by now. And uh, are you starting to have, you know, in your mind, you're believing in the business more, you feel more confident. And what happens next? Uh, Christmas comes, we have quite a busy Christmas. Um, January and February 2008, I walked into the big one of the biggest recessions in history. And it was like, oh, <laughs> didn't see I'm that one coming. <laughs> I started um, my first business in 2008 as well. 
yeah. uh, beginning in 2008 and, and around the corner, you just you didn't see it coming, right? So, no. yeah. Okay. Um, but it was great for us. I, it never occurred to me that because we were providing packaging really for the cottage industry, the cottage industry started to thrive because everybody needed additional income. They needed to be more creative about raising money. Um, so candle makers, jewelry makers, soap makers cropped up everywhere. And so actually we thrived and the recession helped us, but we had to pivot quickly to, to target, to target that market. Um, and, and what we did as well, like, is it unethical? I don't think it is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) we created, We created our own competitor because we knew that we were onto something and we knew that other people would move into the market quickly. So we set up recycled gift packaging as our own competitor and the phone came into us and we just offered really bad service from that customer, sorry, from that company (laughs) to to divert to Tiny Box. Um, But it it kind of worked because it stopped the noise in our area if that makes sense, you know, the, the web. I've never heard of that before. That's certainly, uh, you know, a shrew- <laughs> Oh, great. Okay. That's uh, very interesting. I've never heard of that before, right? So, yeah, very good. So, that that worked for you in a, and, and you started to build the company more and and, and you go and grow. So, what point does um, Dragon's Den come into the equation? What happens then? So, um, Robin comes back from Australia. It's a rare day when he's in the office. The phone goes and it's the BBC Dragon's Den saying, um, we've got your application. What would you like the money for? And of course, I had no idea what they were talking about. And Robin was in the office just going, blag it, blag it. <laughs> so I said, oh, well, we need more stock, bigger premises, blah, blah, blah. Um, went for a screen test. And then the next thing I knew, we were invited onto the show. Didn't see it coming because I thought we'd only just started trading. It was filmed in May, so we'd been going six months. We had nothing patentable, no trading history, no knowledge of our industry whatsoever because I'd worked in software. Um, So actually, on paper, we were a terrible um, investment opportunity. Um, So when two of them said yes, it completely threw me. And how did so? You, what is it? You, why do you feel that you got that investment if you didn't stack up on paper? What was it about you? Because I actually see a lot of things that you that you were doing right. One, you had a defined target market. Yeah. You had a some some probably back then. I mean, it's more of it now, but certainly a USP and environmental uh, environmental sustainable recyclable products, which I think back then certainly because that's a long time ago now. It was very very uh, niche and not mainstream back then, was it at all? Um, so you, you had that, and you had some some trading history, and you've got a good brand name. Is the brand name always the Tiny Box Company? Yeah, it was because the jewellery company that we were initially going to do, uh, I'd named the Tiny Difference Company because you can't change the world, but you can make a tiny difference. Um, yeah. So that's how the Tiny Box Company name came about. Um, but as to why they invested, I think they just felt sorry for me. <laughs> you know, I was asking for 60K, 30 grand from Theo and 30 grand from Peter. And I think they, yeah, they just felt sorry for me and thought it's got to be worth a punt, you know, like, 
like betting on a racehorse, which you think has probably got no chance, but you know, you just feel sorry for it because it looks a bit limp. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there were certainly a few things there that were that, that were pretty good. So, what was it like working with them, and how did that, you know, what what happened next for you? Well, it didn't pan out as I imagined um, because I had a, the filming was done in May, and of course on TV it's just a verbal, and then the due diligence process starts, and they. They started looking at our customer base, supplier base, you know, the whole business model. And I was invited up for the afternoon with a whole team of their experts, not daunting at all. Um, Mm. And we went through the whole business model. And at the end of it, Theo's right-hand man said, do you know what? We're just going to forward you the money and leave you to run the business. Um, So where I'd naively thought I was going to get mentoring, they mm. said, in your particular instance, we think that you know what you're doing, so just go and do it. Uh, and so that was quite scary. Um, and why do you feel that it went that way? Well, they obviously believed in me when I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I thought you had a good handle of it, you were doing the right things. So yeah. how did you use the money? What was, now you've got, so was that the first time you had a bit of capital into the business? Yeah. I mean, before that, I'd got a bit of money left over from when I'd had to sell my house. Um, but now it meant that we could really upscale. I got my first member of staff. Um, Robin left the day of the filming and went back into broadcasting, all, all amicable. Um, but yes, I got my first member of staff and we bought a printing machine. Uh, so I learned how to print boxes. Um, and yeah, the rest went on stock and then we moved premises and it was aired September 2008 and it blew the business up big time. It's amazing. Uh, It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 The phone didn't stop ringing. And I remember describing it like I was skiing down a black ski slope when I'd never skied before, just totally out of control. Um, but you know, it was great. It was, it was great publicity and what the dragons gave us was instant credibility. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that really increased the sales that, you know, that's a, so there's a big journey now from 2008 to, to where we are now. And, um, what's happened during that period? Cause it's a massive period. Did you get much more help at all as you grew and things because, because you became more successful? Did Theo or, uh, Peter Jones get involved helping you more? Was there regular meetings or anything that went on like that? We, we have now a, a very different relationship and, and the way it works is they, they leave me to run the business. They don't interfere until I go to them and say, guys, I need help with this. And it, yeah. and it's very specific help because they know then that they can add value to the business. Um, so for example, we got hacked really badly back in 2019, um, our website, there was just no orders and didn't know what had happened. Uh, spoke to all our techie guys, no one had a clue. Um, and, and you had the age old situation where your web development company were uh, blaming the host company, the host company saying it's the development company, um, and I, I actually didn't know where to go with it. It's one of those moments in business where you're just like, I just remember just sitting there crying, thinking, I don't know what to do. And, and it was at that point, I was like, okay, I'm going to th- phone Theo's um, e-commerce director. And he was absolutely brilliant. He was straight on it and he got the problem solved within a few hours. 
So, so that's where they really add value. Yeah, giving you giving that extra help. So what's happened now with the business? Is it gone continues to go from strength to strength? I know, I know it says that you've got over 100,000 customers now, right? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, we've grown consistently and quietly. We've just been one of those background companies that's just gone up and up and up. I think our average growth has been about 46% year on year. Um, uh, over that time period. So we're now, um, turnover last year was just short of 10 million, 100 staff. Uh, We bought a factory down in Cornwall. Um, And we're currently looking to move again. We keep keep outgrowing places. It's very inconvenient. (laughs) What's your long-term goals for the business? Do you love running the business? Do you ever want to sell the business? How do you feel about it? We keep reaching pivotal moments and, and I sort of think, okay, now is now the time to sit back and then something else happens. It's like, no, it's, it's not time yet. Um, this year, we'd like to do 12 million, uh, 15 million next year, 20 million year three. So that's, that's the kind of plan. Um, uh, we've looked at sort of going for massive growth through private equity um, but right now, the next couple of years is about really strengthening the management team because we've grown so quickly. The management yeah. team have never had time to sort of breathe and yeah. and and get their positioning. I was likening it this morning to creating a fire. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you sort of start your fire and you put your kindling on and then you put the bigger logs on. And... Mm-hmm. If you start putting giant logs on, the foundations can't take it, and you just put the fire out. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's a very different. It's a very different proposition running a six-figure, seven-figure, and eight-figure business. So you all need different things at different stages. Yeah, and obviously growing to the to the first millions that fast pace. You know, understand how to get the marketing right, get the consumers. But to eight figures is a completely different animal. So, what have you noticed in terms of? Um, that growth, what have you had to become better as a business owner? A lot of people talk about what you need in the business, right? Which, of course, you're going to need the management team. You're going to need, the obviously, the systems and the processes to be much better. But what about you as an individual, as a business owner, um, going from six to seven to eight figures? How have you needed to grow as an individual? Uh, massively. <laughs> when you start the business, it's all about you. you. You are the business. You know, If you're having a bad day, then the sales don't come in. 100%. You know, it's it's really hard edged, mm-hmm. and then as more people come on, you suddenly realise that you're responsible for them as well. So if you're in a bad mood, it reflects on everybody, and and it's like the butterfly effect because mm-hmm. in a small office, especially if they feel a vibe off you, they all react. So suddenly, it's not just you that's not selling; it's everybody else that's not selling. Yeah, sure. Um, and so it, it's. It's it's almost going like being an only child, and then <laughs> suddenly having to go to school and play with your playmates. You know, <laughs> um, uh, but making sure that everybody's happy, mm-hmm. uh, and then when you get to the next stage, you actually end up like teacher, um, because you then are responsible for their livelihoods, for um, for bringing the best out of people. Um, and, and I'm really passionate about personal development and want people here to progress. Um, and it's difficult. Uh, You're passionate about personal development. It's actually difficult to get other people passionate about personal development. And that's something I do with my company. If I'm going to hire someone, 
I actually, that's something that I'm really looking for. I'm interviewing on because I want people to want to grow because if they not want to grow, I don't want to want people to want to come and come to work and die at work, i.e. just pass the days, want to, you know, look forward to the weekend. That's not the sort of people I want. I want people that want to have a fire about what we're doing, you know, and I think it's, it's difficult because a lot of people that aren't actually naturally like that, are they? No. You know? And, and what happens as soon as the business hits a crisis, as you get bigger, well, even when you're little, is everybody looks to you to solve it. And, and the pressure is on you to sort of make sure that you're reassuring everybody else. And you might be having kittens inside thinking, how am I going to get out of this? But um, I, I guess it's, this, you know, on a much, I'm not comparing myself because it's a much bigger scale, but it's like being prime minister, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter the turmoil that's going on around you. You've got yeah. to sort of try and keep a cool head and preferably not talk about Peppa Pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then that's the thing, though, when you do something like that, the, the faith dissipates so quickly. Mm-hmm. You'll have your most loyal people that have loved you for a long, long time, and then you go and do something absolutely stupid and you drop the ball, and all yeah. of a sudden everyone's looking at you going, is she, you know, is he right? Is she right? Yeah. And, and that doubt creeps in, and that's obviously something you don't want in your company 100%. So it's really important, isn't it? That yeah. leadership. Mm. And, and I think as well that as you get bigger and bigger, it's trying to bring people in that are better than you and, and you know, sort of accepting that as an entrepreneur you have limitations and that if you can bring in somebody in marketing and finance, you know, all around you that's better than you in those areas, uh, it's, it's sort of creating a balance of listening to them because they know more than you but also keeping that helicopter view of what works for the overall organisation. And I think that becomes the skill. And even those, those people better, it's actually yeah. looking at the moves with common sense, isn't it? Because even though a lot of the time they know more than you, they know what they're doing, is are they applying the common sense and the overall business picture to their move, right? You know, yeah. Which is, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and as you get bigger, without doubt, the departments will silo. and. Yeah. And yeah. I think that as as the business owner, it's your job to sort of bring them all back from their different classrooms yeah. <laughs> back into assembly. Yeah, to, <laughs> culture, yeah, to build that culture. Yeah. 100%. Well, it seems you've had an incredible journey. You know, it's just so, um, and actually I think so many, you know, tips here. I, you mentioned before we started that you're, you're launching a new range, which I thought was really interesting. Do you want to mention that? Because I think it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so last year, um, a friend of mine who runs a sustainable um, equine clothing range, that's for humans, not horses, yeah. um, uh, was talking about her idea and talking about whether she wanted investment, where to go with the business. So we were just looking at it and we were looking at the sustainable clothing market. There's been so much noise about a lot of the uh, the big brands you know, all of their returns, just sending them to landfill, um, all of their non-sales, burning them or sending them to landfill rather than giving to charity. Mm. And and it makes you realise that the whole clothing industry needs readdressing, that the model doesn't work. It's not long-term. So when my friend said about the sustainable um, equine range, I said, well, what about the whole of the activewear market, the whole sportswear market? Who is the leader in sustainable activewear? 
And we were Googling it. And all that kept coming up was newspaper articles about the top 10 small brands. There was no websites there. So I was like, well, where's the JD Sports, but just for sustainable? Um, And um, so the lady who had the equine brand has joined forces with me. um, And we launch Air Active in March. And it's, it's taking the... We're not we're not a marketplace. We are buying the brands ourselves, mm. um, and we are, um, yeah. It is a a one stop shop to buy all of your active wear from different brands in in one place. That's all sustainable. Right. Well, I'm sure that you know with your your experience and understanding that you're going to make a great success of it and it sounds fantastic you know it sounds great because like you said this again you spotted something in the market that's not there which is what it's all about isn't it and bringing it all together there's a lot of people that want that now isn't it so it should be released so people can sort of look on you'll be launching in march will you yeah yeah that's the plan it's very scary i'm scared (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure you'll i'm sure it'd be a great success i haven't told the team i'm scared well they know now (laughs) (laughs) but no i think it's been you know fantastic um to hear the journey the story and a lot of the tips that you've given and you know and some guidance there for people to to certainly go and uh, look at graham where's the best place for people wanting to get in touch with you rachel what's the best thing do you have an instagram page or uh, i i I do have an instagram although i'm learning i'm you know i'm one of these (laughs) sort of oldies that's like suddenly i really need to learn Instagram. Um, but yes, you can find me on Rachel Watkin um, uh, or www.tinyboxcompany.com. Oh, certainly go and check out the Tiny Box Company. You know, they're uh, doing great things. And especially if you're listening, some of these are an e commerce business or a small business that wants products or packaging, you're the place to go pretty much, aren't you? You know, so 100%. Yes, we are. <laughs> well, look, 100%. Of course you are. You know, so. Uh, it'd be great for people to go and check you out there. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on, Rachel. Loved hearing the story. Loved hearing your growth. It's a, you know, you achieved some amazing things. And obviously, as a business owner, you don't get, a, don't pat yourself on the back enough, do you? But to take a company from nothing in difficult circumstances to building it to an eight-figure company in a short space of time, well done. You know, amazing, amazing work. Thank you very much. <laughs> and <laughs> and thanks for having me. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Thanks, everyone. And that concludes our our episode today. Go and check Rachel out at thetinyboxcompany.com. And if you're an e-commerce business brand or anyone that needs products or packaging, certainly the place to go. Um, Thanks for listening to today's episode of Business Growth Secrets. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. We've got bringing you awesome interviews and also uh, up-to-dates of what's happening with me, my business, big business events, and so much more. And of course, go and leave us a five-star review. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Everybody, I look forward to seeing you next week. Hi, everybody. Adam here, and I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is, perhaps. 
every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're gonna be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.